This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Ryan Randall, CFO of Upstart, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 216. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Jim Stewart, CFO of True Ventures. I've been around the venture capital industry um, for years, obviously raising a fair amount of capital, but I've never been on the inside trying to help shape um, a company like True's. That what I wanted to do was take scale and systems, which had been fundamental to my success in taking a number of companies public and growing significantly, and applying some of those tools and learning to, um, to this company. Listen to our complete interview with Jim after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Jim Stewart, CFO of True Ventures. Jim, welcome. Jack, it's a pleasure. Hope you don't mind. I just want to begin where we always do, which is by having you share a little bit of your career narrative with us and perhaps identifying those milestones you feel helped uh, shape you uh, to be uh, become a CFO. Well, terrific. Uh, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to share share some thoughts and ideas here for uh, for your broad group of uh, of listeners. It's uh, it's a pleasure to share some ideas. So, uh, in many ways, my career trajectory and, and I'd say the key milestones that bring me to True Ventures um, are start in a relatively classic way, in the sense that I was a public accounting uh, person out of school and uh, stayed long enough to make partner. So I would say from a, from a broad finance training point of view, that was, it was important to forming my background. Um, I quickly decided that operations and making a difference inside of a specific company was, was more interesting to me. And I think that launches into what would be the second key milestone preparing me for true, which was a diverse um, experience across a wide variety of industries. Um, never really being specialized in any particular industry, and the diversity was uh, was both exciting and I think good from a career background point of view. And then finally, I think the the last milestone that really, in fact, shapes where I am today was the good fortune to meet John Callahan, who is one of the founding partners here at True Ventures, uh, take a company public with John, and then ultimately build a great friendship that resulted in uh, in me joining him here at True. When you arrived there at True, did you have a, we like to say, a philosophy of finance? What kind of job did you want to create for yourself there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, I think in many ways, um, I saw the opportunity here, and I think shared this vision with the partners here, 
that what I wanted to do was take scale and systems, which had been fundamental to my success in taking a number of companies public and growing significantly, and applying some of those tools and learnings to um, to this company and, and a di- in a different industry than I had previously worked in. I've been around the venture capital industry um, for years, obviously raising a fair amount of capital, but I'd never been on the inside trying to help shape um, a company like True. So scale and sort of a systematic approach to growth was important. Um, I saw an opportunity and a philosophy that, that uh, John, Phil, and the partners here shared, which is viewing finance as one of the supporting tools to help our founders grow um, great businesses because our companies are are generally very young and often our founders are engineering or science background and finance support can be an important ingredient that we provide. Um, and then finally, I would say, you know, trying to build out scale for a long run. This is a firm that will, will be successful for many generations and putting um, processes and systems in place and hiring talent. Um, I've been very fortunate in building a team that, that um, I think allows us to scale for a long time. Well, you're in a, a space that many, I think, finance leaders always wonder, what if, what if I had gone uh, into the venture world? Uh, can you can you share with us what separates uh, True Ventures today from others out there, other venture firms? Um, I can, I think. You know, there's there's a variety of factors, I think, in the, the philosophy that underlies the firm from its earliest days that um, that I think the partners continue to see as very valuable. Um, I would I would point out um, there's a bit of a uniqueness of our product in the sense that. We want to be the first institutional investors into young companies with great founders. And we've got uh, large enough funds with over a billion dollars in capital these days that allows us to not only be an early stage investor, but to have the muscle that allows us to continue to invest pro rata throughout the life of our investment with a company, which gives us a bit of a distinct edge compared to some of our peers. Um, we work very closely and collaboratively with angels and other early-stage investors, and I think um, always are focused on the founders. We see them as our customers. Um, we have over uh, 240 active founders today in the portfolio, and we always like to share with our limited partners who provide us capital that, in fact, while they're important stakeholders or shareholders in our process, the customers here are very much the founders. And our partner group, um, Jack, I think one thing else I'd point out is are very much a mix of operating experience with over 130 years across the partner group of running and operating and founding companies as well as obviously significant experience in the venture industry. So can you, can you share with us, you know, the numbers that are so important to you day to day? So uh, I think of this in sort of two dimensions. I think there is a very traditional set of metrics that are important to the investors at True. Um, and, and these would be very classic kinds of industry metrics, such as uh, investor rate of return or distribution paid in capital or total value paid in capital. They are relatively standardized and I think provide our investors an opportunity to benchmark us against our peers and other competitive venture firms. So I would say those are important. Um, but I think more important in the things that I think my team and I um, help provide data around are, in fact, uh, the metrics around the companies. So how are they doing from a growth perspective? What is the cash burn and how does the cash burn in their company compare to similar companies in similar industries? Um, are they having good success in hiring talent? 
are they getting product launched to market? I think these are the kinds of things that that uh, our partners and our finance team recognize can, in fact, be the hallmarks of very successful young companies. As always, we like to ask our guests to recall for us a moment of strategic insight, where as a finance leader, or perhaps earlier in your career, you experienced an aha moment when at a specific moment in time, some strategic insights surfaced, leading you to change the direction of your team or maybe focus on a new opportunity. Would you have one to share? Yeah, I, I do have one in mind, Jack. There's a, there was a point in my career, and this is, uh, this is back several years ago in a young company that I was taking public, in fact, for two large venture investors. And I would say the the aha moment for me, um, I'll give you a little color around it, but what was most important as a takeaway was it, it taught me the art of the possible and sort of, um, I'll say, a tenacity of spirit and, and willingness to sort of fight on when others may have decided there wasn't anything left to fight for. This was a terrific young company that I'd been with uh, two or three years. We'd done um, M&A transactions to build out their capability and we're in the process of taking them public with UBS. Um, literally, as I was jumping on um, a commercial flight with our CEO, um, I got a phone call from my regulatory people that said we had inadvertently shipped uh, restricted toxins, neurotoxins that were in violation of the Department of Commerce rules around all of this. Revelation, hadn't expected it. Lawyers didn't know about it. It was, um, it was at a minimum of what I would call an aha moment. I think the things that happened over the next four or five days, though, were, were what I learned the most from. Um, we literally got a phone call as soon as we landed in Europe um, from our board, our investors, our lawyers, and our accountants that said, look, you need to come home. This is not going to work. This is too big a problem to solve. And what what I argued for, and they were graciously willing to let me do, was, was take five days while we finished the European Roadshow and let a great team that I had on the ground here in the U.S. build the facts, build the background, and let me go with our CEO to Washington, D.C., and meet with the Department of Commerce. And we were successful in persuading them that this was an inadvertent mistake. Um, we persuaded a bunch of great accountants and lawyers to let us solve it with open disclosure rather than stopping an IPO process. And I think my big takeaway from this moment was you might be the last one in the food chain or in your team that believes that something is possible. Fight for it and don't give up. And um, I think often the finance team, the CFOs, find themselves in positions where they can make a real difference if they're just sort of stubborn and tenacious. And that was my takeaway. Can you share with us some of the tools, technology tools, that this firm has adopted along the way and help us uh, understand a little better what are the types of tools a venture firm uh, likes to leverage? Sure. Um, I think, Jack, it's, it's a great question. In fact, it's an area where we are doing a, a variety of things right now that I think sort of is setting the stage for the next 10 years of growth. We're, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary, and I would say in, in that first chapter of our growth, which has been very significant, we actually have been well served by what I would call traditional tools. Um, the venture industry from a pure financial accounting point of view um, has, uh, you know, sort of one core issue around valuing companies, particularly um, illiquid privately held companies. But once you solve that core accounting issue, 
the underlying systems that it takes to support the company's operations are relatively traditional. And by that, I mean, you know, Excel and, and the, the Microsoft Office suite. Um, we do use QuickBooks. We use the traditional outside payroll services. But I think as we, we launch into our sort of second decade together as a group, scale, particularly given the size of our portfolio and the breadth of our investors, um, is making it more important to have broad tools um, that, are, that are going to scale. And, and one of the ones that we're using right now is, is a tool called eFront. And we're very excited about the potential that that's bringing for us to, uh, to scale our growth going forward. How exactly uh, does finance use that tool? So think think of it as a portal into our portfolio. And so the finance team will be primarily responsible for owning the database, and it's much like any other database tool. It has all of the history with regards to our investments across what is now uh, almost 150 portfolio companies. Uh, it, it tracks all of the underlying data. It is also a useful tool for tracking investors both contact information, level of capital commitment, and it will be a valuable tool for us in making capital calls, which is one of the recurring tasks that um, that we do to call in capital when needed for investment. Um, it is it is a very nicely organized tool that brings leverage um, of commonality across funds because we have many investors who participate um, in in several of our venture funds. So it's a it's a terrific productivity tool. It also, initially when we launch it and when we're literally bringing up the system as we speak, um, it will be primarily a tool that we will populate in the finance team. It has capability and some of our um, investing partners will want to look into detail on their portfolio companies. So I think that will be sort of the second chapter and why that will turn out to be a great tool for us. Uh, we now move to our mentoring round where we ask you several quick questions uh, that your answers are intended to help aspiring uh, finance leaders. Um, Jim, have you had a mentor or mentors along the way? I have. Um, I've been I've been very fortunate. I would say in each of those different uh, milestone stops that I opened with when you and I first started, Jack, and I'd say in each of those places I was uh, had the good fortune to be surrounded by talent, but to have at least a, you know one or two key people who helped shape my career. And we always ask for that piece of information that you wish you had as you entered the uh, the CFO office but didn't have. You know, what what is it that you wish someone had told you as you entered that office? Okay, great question. I, I think, and this is something I share with a number of the younger people that I work with, both here at True and elsewhere, um, I think I over-indexed on my ability to understand the company or the industry or even investors, and I've had the good fortune of being in companies with some terrific venture investors. And in some cases, I under-indexed on the quality of the people that I was going to be joining on the team. In the end, um, it is now, I won't say it's the only criteria I'm focused on. I like to make sure that, you know, the basics of the business I'm looking at are important, but the people that I'm going to be working with day to day is is almost everything these days. And I encourage um, some of the young team members that are here at True and elsewhere to to make sure you don't give up a great team if you're part of it. You'd be amazed what can happen with a great team. Is there a personal habit that you have that you believe contributed to your professional success? Um, 
I would say if I were to pick one, Jack, I would say it is a, I'll call it a daily discipline about where I'm going to spend my time. And I, I think across my career, I, like I'd say many of my peers, have been challenged with the day that never seems to be long enough to get all the tasks done. And I think I, like many, I'm often guilty of focusing on the urgent as opposed to the important. So I'm, I'm, I'm very focused on keeping, um, I'll say relatively rigorous task lists and thinking them through sort of end of day, beginning of the day to make sure that as I launch into the day, I've got the most important things prioritized at the top of my list. Is there a favorite uh, personal productivity tool that you might rely on? Yeah, on the same vein, um, I've tried a variety over the years, including Franklin Planner and some of these other you know, commercially available tools. But at the end of the day, um, I've got this cute little black journal that's sitting about eight inches away from my hand as we speak here that, you know, if you open it up to today, has got today's list of things to get done. I have actually found um, and gravitated to that after trying different um, commercial tools and find that, you know, writing in my own hand and doing my own thinking as I put that list together as opposed to on a keyboard works best for me. But I've tried all of the different versions of that and uh, have landed back at, um, at, I'll say, a daily journal that keeps my to-do list and meeting notes. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Um, I would say I, I have several, but most important at the top of my list is to continue to support my team that allows us to scale for the next 10 years. I tend to think in five and 10 year increments from a from a planning point of view, and I think uh, I am incredibly fortunate to have a terrific team. Um, I've been here almost five years now, and this team is is really spectacular. So as I think about priorities for the next 12 months, it's about continuing to do what I can to support and help build that team. And then secondarily, the most fun and, and valuable work I think I do here at True is inside the portfolio, helping founders who may never have worked directly with finance people. I'm sort of the CFO on call and they need one. And, uh, and I'd say that spending more time at that over the next 12 months is important to me. Jim Stewart, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Jack, thanks very much. And uh, I think this is a great program. So thanks for being here. <laughs> thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. As many of you are undoubtedly aware, I am not a finance executive but a journalist. And my goal is to bring you as many personal narratives from distinguished finance leaders like Jim uh, to better expose how the finance leadership role is quickly changing, and we know it is. This is Jack Sweeney for CFO Thought Leader. Thanks for joining us.
Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever so short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you.